Welcome to Level with Emily. This is music by Chris Velasco for Lords of the Fallen, which is a Souls-like action RPG in a dark fantasy world. A lot of what Chris composed for is those big, impossibly difficult at times boss battles, but there are plenty of moments leading up to those massive fights too, which are like creepy and anxiety-provoking, they kind of like touch the edge of horror as these Souls-like games often do. Um, It's just great, and it's always great talking with Chris. We also briefly talk about a game he did called Fey Farm, and I had not heard any of the soundtrack when he and I spoke. I mean, I definitely have now because I put a bunch of it in here, but uh, it's great, it's absolutely great. And so he and I are gonna talk more about Fey Farm in the future when he's back, because he'll uh, he'll be back. Maybe he'll be back just for Fey Farm. We'll figure it out, but it's absolutely wonderful soundtrack. Add it to your list if you're a fan of music that accompanies Cozy Games, because that's exactly what you'll get. It's, it's really great, and you'll hear some in here. Uh, join us on Discord. That link is down in the show notes, and then also do um, check us out on YouTube and subscribe and like and all the words for YouTube. It's very helpful. Uh, So yeah, check us out there. We would love that. All right. Here is Chris Velasco talking about Lords of the Fallen. So Lords of the Fallen is, if you know what a Soulsborne game is, it's kind of this genre that's come around recently, kind of a Dark Souls meets Bloodborne, all the FromSoft stuff they did, which are some of my favorite games, actually. Um, yeah, Elden Ring, so too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Elden Ring, I played an embarrassingly <laughs> long time. <laughs> it's so um, worth it, yeah. Yeah, maybe like my favorite game ever. But Lords of the Fallen, it's in, it's cut from the same cloth as those. Uh, but it's the first one that's kind of um, uses the new Unreal Engine, and it just looks incredible. And yeah. besides being this kind of Soulsborne thing, which is usually they're like punishingly hard, like very very difficult. If you're the kind of player that gets frustrated if you can't beat a boss or get past level, like. This is certainly not for you. Um, and these games are certainly not for me because I also hate playing games that are too hard. Now, I just want to play them. I go to easy mode. Uh, but there's something about these Soulsborne games that yeah. the aesthetic of them just yeah. draws me in. And I'm like, no, I have to live here for a while. Yeah. Uh, and then the other cool thing about Lords of the Fallen is that it really takes place in like two worlds at the same time. So there's the realm of the living and the realm of the dead. And you've got this lantern and you can look into the, into the realm of the dead anytime you want. And the, the level design, the creatures, everything is completely different in there. And you, there's also like obstacles like, Oh, there's a wall here. Where do I go? Hold up your lantern, look into the realm of the dead. It's like, Oh, well, there's actually a cave or a bridge or something here. So I can hold my lantern and walk across. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's really, um, it's it's trippy, but it's a super cool idea that they had. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of these games are fa- fantasy gothic kind of 
um, you know, but they're beautiful worlds, colorful, vibrant worlds. And, uh, you know, of course, same is true for this game. And um, uh, I, I'm just curious who who decided the tone of the music? How did all that work out to, to match the visuals? Well, they had um, already, uh, the guys at Hexworks, um, they're the developer, and they had spent a lot of time kind of thinking about um, music stylistically before I got called uh, because there's a huge playlist of things that were like um, someone was like, we think all of these might work for Lords of the Fallen. And then the creative director would make notes next to each one be like, no, this, like, I don't like this. I don't like that. But, Ooh, I really like that. And kind of gave me a nice template to go off of a little cheat sheet of, Oh, I can look into his mind and what does he like? What does it, what does he not like? Um, but also, I mean, this game, you know, there's, there's really only one direction you can go and that's, that's full on Gothic orchestral, dark horror adventure kind of, um, there's, there's really nothing else. (laughs) It's so true. There were, um, you know, a number of times where I was listening where I was like, wow, this is not horror. I mean, it is though a little bit, but it's kind of not right. I mean, I wouldn't cat, I would never say this game is a horror game. Would you? No, no, yeah. I don't think so. It's you know, it's dark fantasy with right. Um, horror is an element that's kind of mixed into that pot, but yes. it's not a horror game. It's not a horror score. Yeah, yeah, say exactly. And yet there are these moments that it's very scary. The music gets very scary. So um, it seems like you got to do such a range of uh, things within that. Um, genre, right? So, so there's you know this scary, creepy stuff going on with random, creepy, devilish talking or or something along those lines. But then there's also just gorgeous choral singing and, you know, the gamut. Uh, Yeah, that's a little, you know, just a a dash of everything. So talk to me about then how you came to be on the project, because there are at least two of you that wrote music for Lords of the Fallen, or was it just the two of you? Just the two. Okay. So how did that work then? So I got a call um, from one of the producers. Um, He used to work at Tequila Works, and I had worked on a game called Groundhog Day with him. Uh, which is totally different. That was a, a comedy VR. Um, but we, he presumably ad- enjoyed working with me and called me. He's like, hey, I'm at Hexworks now. I'm doing this game. It's um, like a remake of Lords of the Fallen. And I know you love this stuff. Like, do you want to work on it? And so, you know, I saw the pictures and um, all the artwork and and some level design. And uh, I was like, oh, yes, I want to work on this. This 
This looks like it could be my favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> It does seem up your alley, that's for sure. Um, so talk about co-composing then with Canute because that can be its own challenge, right? Yeah, um, we really just kind of did our own thing. Like um, we were each responsible for different sort of factions, I guess, within the game. Um, oh, okay. I did these two called Umbral and Rogar, and their style was very different um, in the game and in the, in the music. So um, there wasn't really any like real collaboration or crossover. Um, it was like, so Rogar was like kind of these like barbarian type things. Uh, and then Umbral are um, that's kind of more of the horror element, like all the, the super scary um, stuff that, that live in that sort of realm of the dead. Um, yeah, so I did I did the music for all of those guys. Okay. And so that included cinematics and all the things, right? Um, did you do battle music, exploration, cinematics, things like that? There is pretty much, I'd say 95 plus percent of all the music is for boss fights. Oh, um, nice. Okay. Kind of like how, how Bloodborne was. Like they really sure. wanted just the sound of the world, just that the ambience there to, um, to be the only kind of oral companion for you while you're playing. Um, it was, you know, it's a, it's a decision that, um, is that I think really makes when you hear the music, it finally stands out as like, Whoa, something important is happening because we haven't heard music for a long time. Mm, interesting. Um, so yeah, so no like exploration music or any kind of ambient stuff. There might be a little here and there. Um, I know I did a couple yeah. of little ambient cues. Um, I have, I just started playing the game and and I haven't heard my ambient cues yet. So I don't know where they're at. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know that when you hear music, it's like, oh, this is a boss fight. This isn't a normal monster. This is a big one. was that like to kind of like stay in boss fight world for however many months or years that you worked on on the score it's exhausting <laughs> 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 yeah. um that's you know talk to any composer and you know most of us love doing like this combat stuff it, it's just it's so cool i love being able to throw everything at it and just mm -hmm. go crazy with the energy uh, but if that's all you're doing with nothing to break it up, it's, you know, you finish a track and it's, you know, you've just, you've now given birth to this piece. You're just like, whoo, <laughs> boy, I'm tired. What's next? Oh, another boss track. <laughs> <laughs> and then how do you make this one sound different than the previous one? And, um, 
or you know and if the intensity needs to ramp up you know it uh it's like oh my god how do you do that it's we've already hit 10 you know where's and you then you pull out your martial amp that goes to 11. I did decide on the drive home today, which I knew was going to be hectic because it's a holiday week and everybody's in a hurry and angry. I thought, you know, maybe this isn't the right energy for me to listen to on the drive. <laughs> no, it's home the right energy. <laughs> oh man, no, that I can I can understand that. Um, and with regards to you know, throwing everything at it. There's so much really cool percussion in here. And I would imagine that a lot of that was live because you worked with live orchestra, which is awesome. So talk about that. I um, sort of don't like recording live percussion. Oh, okay, Um, okay. All the percussion, except for things that I played in here in my studio, those were all samples because they've already been processed like so much and they just sound deep and huge and... Sometimes you record live percussion and it sounds a little weak compared to what you're used to with samples. Oh, interesting. Um, And then, you know, with percussion also, like you've got the cartage, like moving all these things in there. And, and I want, like, I don't want to limit myself to like, oh, here's a Tyco and like a couple big toms and uh, you know, whatever. Um, We're recording percussion live. It's sort of, like, okay, we've got the van, like we've got all these, you know, all these big drums in here. Um, but it's expensive to shuttle them there and back Mm -hmm. and then like setting up, miking everything, and then maybe not being super happy with how it sounds in the room. Um, I just, I love actually using sampled percussion again, except for little things in here that, um, that just kind of sound cool. It catches my ear. I'll just walk around and I'll tap things, you know, it's not like, it's not actual percussion, but you know anything is percussion if you hit it. Of course. Um, yeah. But some of the percussion I used was, I don't even know if you would call it percussion, but um, I, I, I love the idea of using um, like vocals as percussion, but not like the, not the shouting that you're used to, but like the, like, like heavy breathing, like you've been running and then you're <sighs> like that. I love yeah. setting up a rhythm with that, especially in something kind of scary like this, because it just, I don't know, in my, I don't know if it really works or not, but in my head, the, the thought of like this kind of gasping for air, running and being chased, that sounds like it might trigger some part of your lizard brain to like, oh God, I'm in trouble. Um, so I would, I would get in my studio and I would just like, like right here, run in place <laughs> like, <laughs> for like a while. Cause you can fake the like out of breath, but I thought, no, let's be authentic. And so, yeah. you know, running, running, getting my steps in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> normally you don't get your laws of steps in composing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I would do that. And then I would just set up a mic like this and I would play the track and I put headphones on and I would just breathe 
rhythmically into it. And then, you know, I would cut it up and like make it, you know, so it was actually like on a downbeat and then, um, and then pitch it down as well. Um, so now it's like more of this like big beast, you know, with bigger lungs, um, (laughs) like out of breath. And anyways, just little stuff like that. I, I really enjoyed like throwing that kind of stuff in. You know, I really did love all the choir too, because that was live for the most part. I would assume the the Budapest mm-hmm. scoring uh, choir, and that that is just such a cool thing to to hear, just like powerful human angry voices. You know, so talk to me, <laughs> <laughs> talk to well, me they about can, that. You know, choir is. You know, I would say choir is probably the the most ancient instrument of anything like before percussion even. Um, and you know, for the most part, uh, everybody can sing whether it's, whether it's good or bad, you know, we, most of us can, can produce, you know, (laughs) can vibrate our vocal cords and, and create a pitch and, um, and use air to push it out and, and sing in some manner. Um, so there's just something that's, that's very humanizing about it. But then when you also twist a choir, there's it's kind of dehumanizing in a way that that feels creepier than anything really. Cause it's like there's a you know it's a person making these noises, but it's not normal. And it's like, I don't know, I think has the ability to like really creep you out. So, you know, there's tons of, you know, very kind of liturgical, like sort of religious um choir moments in the score. And a lot of those were, I think, probably more of the stuff that, that Newt did um, because his, his faction, um, I forget what they're, what they're called, but it was more of the, I mean, everything is like crazy dark and, and terrible in this game, but, but his were maybe just the outer circle of hell, you know, where, where the stuff that I was doing was more inner and like just terrible. Um, so he had like, was would write for these things that was more kind of angelic and um and so yeah. then had to had to get the more sacred music style um I did that as well but but really focused on maybe more of the abstract like choral type stuff um including like uh like the tube and throat singing yeah um that but also like pitched way down again so that it just goes below what what a a human voice could actually do Just tons of like whispering and chanting and 
Um, and then, you know, reversing all that. So I just love the, the sound of like reverse chanting and chattering and whispering. And it just like really <laughs> freaks me out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, choir, choir is great. That's for me, that's always the like leave choir when you really mean something. You know, you can have the orchestra going nuts, and then that's sort of the final uh, cherry on top to really kick things up a notch. So how was the orchestra recorded? Did you, did you separate out instrument sections to, to do re- recording and then piece things together? And was that how the choir worked as well? Yeah, the choir was all recorded separately. Yeah. And then there's a few soloists. Um, they were recorded separately. Yeah, very and nice And then solo. the orchestra, for, for me, I did strings and winds separate. Okay. okay. And then brass by itself also. Um, right. My... My engineer just a mixer likes to get things separate like that. And yeah. I find that I'm able to record more music that way as well. Oh, interesting. Um, Why do you think that is? Uh, I mean, there's usually less brass than strings, of course. And thank if, God everyone is so grateful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so half the time the brass is just sitting there not playing. If I have right. them on a separate session, we can be like, okay, you've got something from you know bar one to twelve, and then you've got twenty bars off, and then you can, and then so we'll just pick it up, splice it together, um, where otherwise they'd have to sit there, and then you risk like just more room noise, and right. uh, and people like maybe like losing their chops a little bit just because they've been sitting there and not playing. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be like, oh, I'm not warmed up anymore. Um, I I like doing a separate. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. That makes a ton of sense. Um, There is a lot of really intricate string writing. I mean, they're just in there like, digga, 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 and they're just like all (laughs) the whole thing. And that was always fun to hear. Um, uh, There's uh, one track in particular called Arch Nemesis. That was always really fun to hear. So talk to me about just writing for hectic strings. (laughs) (laughs) Writing for hectic strings. Yeah. Um, It goes, for me, it goes slow-ish. Because I'm not a classically trained pianist. I, you know, I've been playing, I've been composing on a keyboard long enough now that I can sit down and, you know, I can, I can play through some stuff, but. Um, those things I'll hear it in my head and be like, okay, okay. It's like this. And then I, and then I have to figure it out. And then I don't like to like step record things. I just like to like, okay, here's a tempo, like, oh crap, we're at 150. That's pretty fast. 
Um, let me try to play it in. And I don't like to go back and edit really either. So I will, I will hit record, re-record, 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 and I'll just keep doing it until I've played it in. And I feel like maybe some of my kind of frantic play, you can almost hear the the stress in my home playing. <laughs> and then my orchestrator can, can kind of take that and be like, oh, this, these aren't just like fast notes. There's like, there's, there's a, a certain energy and an, and an intention behind them. That's, uh, that's more, you know, not just, uh, there's, you know, and, and when I'm playing it into, like, I, I'll get those, uh, those accents maybe in, in weird places, mm. um, because that's just how my finger fell on it. Or, and then I will hear it back and be like, Ooh, no, I kind of like that. Like I, I really hit that hard with my thumb there sort of accidentally, but, um, <laughs> but no, it's cool. It creates this, it, you know, it's composing is also a lot of happy accidents, Sure. um, which I just like love and, and live for the happy accidents. <laughs> but there's, um, there's one track that you didn't mention before. Um, it's the second one I think I wrote. It's called Ma of Faith. Oh yeah. Wait, yeah. Yes, it is it's called, called Ma, Ma of Faith. Faith. The bass at the end are and, just sick. It's so good. And so, yeah, I really like, that's one thing where I really wanted the orchestra to be playing like very, very aggressive. Yeah. And, uh, and so we, my orchestrator and I, we were, we were recording um, yeah, in Budapest, but we were actually here at my house, just like, you know, yeah. watching on the TV. And and, yeah. um, and there's this one phrase in the beginning where the string's like, And it was a little too fast and too hard. I mean, they could play it through, but it wasn't really like giving me that, that like that locomotive, like here's the train, like barreling down at you. <laughs> so we split the bases up into ones and twos and the celli. And we're like, okay, you play the first part of this. Um, and then the seconds come in and they play it, but we didn't, we didn't do separate recordings. We're like, let's play it all together. But like really like, dig in here when it's your turn and they just had this little fragment so they could they could totally go in and they're like oh yeah i could play this half of a bar here like maybe not the whole bar but i could do this half and the other guy's like well i could play the other half of the bar and then it just created this this like seamless motion uh-huh. uh between the low strings and where everybody i mean they were like you saw them and the here's the guys with the cello and they would you, they like jump up almost like <laughs> and uh, yeah, they were like popping out of their seats, and it was like, "Woo, this is this is really cool." <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I did write that track down because I loved what the basses are doing at the end. Because, you know, I mean, there are there are reasons that that kind of bass writing is like legendary in the world of classical music because it just doesn't happen very often, right? They just don't get to do a lot of like 
digging in and going crazy, you know? So I, I, and there's more places than just Ma of Faith where they do that, but I just got the biggest kick out of that. I, and they must have too. I mean, they just must love playing that stuff, you know? Yeah, I think so. It's, you know, I, I feel like, like you go to school and, and you're, you're kind of taught to like, don't go too crazy with the bases because, you know, their, their frets are so far apart. Right. It's and like the strings physically are like, difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And the strings are so thick and it, it's just a, an, it's a, it's a big instrument. Massive. I mean, you're like holding a bathtub. <laughs> yeah. You need a station wagon to carry it to school. You know, you can't. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, I've picked one up and, you know, played around with them before to try to get the feel of it under my hand and like, okay, how easy is it to, to do this? And, um, and then sometimes you just have to say, well, worst case is we just don't record it. Like it's too hard. And we say like, okay, we're just going to move on and I'll leave it as samples or during a break, you know, we'll figure out how to, how to make it easier or something. But, um, I hate dumbing music down though, if without giving them a chance to try it first. And, sure. and yeah, sometimes they're just like, so into it. They're like, Oh, I've been playing whole notes, these footballs, you know, tied <laughs> together for for so long to keep this drone going. And, and so you give them a chance to do something like really energetic and, uh, and yeah, they, they shine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the orchestra sounds amazing and the choir too. I mean, it just sounds all sounds so, so good. Um, yeah, they were great. There is a track called blood letter that has like, initially I thought harpsichord cause it was, you know, background, and then I was like, wait, no, I'm pretty sure it's dulcimer. I don't know what it is. I think I'm losing my touch in a way. But um, what what's going on in well, that track? Because it's really I don't blame cool you, texture. It's a, it's a few things together. So oh, okay. <laughs> it's not like one instrument. <laughs> okay, um, good. And I you're right. It's, some of it is uh, dulcimer, but pitched way down. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's why. Just, yeah, okay. And throughout the whole score, um, I, I actually, I know there's a ton of percussion, but I really tried to use percussion not as the the driving force through the whole game it to me that just feels very I, I don't know how to say this without sounding like bad about it but there's over the years there's been you can tell it's like oh that's game music and yeah and then there's just something about, and I think it's because we're not writing to picture so you don't have the opportunity to like craft a score around a scene we're just we're writing blind basically like okay three minute looping track here's a big giant that like breathes fire and pulls its arms off and hits you with them <laughs> and <laughs> uh so go to town and you know and that's great it's almost like every piece you're writing is like a its own like concert suite in a way it's it's a standalone piece for something but but we have to imagine kind of how the the fight will go and, and the ebbs and flows. And, um, and I find that a lot of in the past, a lot of game music has like started maybe with percussion and sets up a rhythm and then writes on top of that. Sure. And for me, that just, uh, it gets a little boring and I feel like we, we need to, when we can try to elevate game music. And so I used percussion as not as an afterthought, but, but to just like hit certain things. It's, they're just accents. It, they're accenting the orchestra um, instead of the orchestra 
playing on top of a, a bed. Um, and so this, this all ties back to the dulcimer, but so I wanted something to kind of get a propulsion going and it's like, I really don't want to use percussion for this to, to start up the, a groove. So I've got like a lot of string instruments around here and I have a, an oud over here and it's nice. And I, um, down tuned it. So the string was like, like totally wobbly. <laughs> Uh, and I can't play Ood to save my life. Uh, but if I tune it to a note where I can just play an open string and jam yeah. out on it, yeah. then I can do that. Yeah. Uh, so I so I jammed out on my Ood. I, I had like, yeah, some kind of a zither or something. Um, it was just sample based. Pitched that way, way down. Nice. And then I created this like strummy thing that that for me was supplying the, the energy that I needed rather than percussion. No, that's so funny. I was... Um... I, I really did like the sound uh, of that. Um, and Oud has been po- popping up in my life lately. I just talked to Jason Graves, who used Oud in his Call of Duty situation. And uh, and I so then I was like looking, because I, I love Oud so much. I, it's one of my favorite, uh, you know, guitar-ish, lute-ish, whatever you want to call it-ish, um, mm-hmm. strummed, whatever. I just love it. I love it. And so I was like looking up how much they are. And then I was like, you know, I have almost a full closet, certainly not almost, but I have a many instruments stacked in a closet that are just <laughs> neglected and I should not add to that collection. But um, ood, it's good. I love it. Cool. Well, now I'm excited to hear yeah, that again. Yeah, you know, yeah. you've got winter Coming up over there, it's going to be Shut pretty up, cold Chris. outside. You're going to stay in. You just <laughs> sit by the fire, play some oud. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. Oh, man. Winter is coming. They're El Nino, fun. They're though. hard to play, though, because they, they've got, you know, that whole, like, bowl. And so there's no way to, for me, I just, I never played it enough to get used to it. So you sit on it, it goes, roop, and it oh. just kind of <laughs> slips off your lap. <laughs> Fiery Malice is a track uh, that I really liked. Um, As far as texture goes, this one seems to have a um, uh, simpler, quote unquote, texture than, and and maybe it's just portions of the track that are like that. But I I I just really liked the vibe of that track. It stood out as different to me. Um, So I'd I'd love to hear you chat chat about that one a little bit if you could. Fiery Malice is um, besides doing the big boss fights, we also did these kind of intermediate, like um, demi boss type things. Like, like they weren't run of the mill okay. guys that you would find, but like a step up, you know, they're. Um, and so I wanted to write music for them that, that was a little bit more laid back than the, than the full, you know, fury of a of a boss fight um so in these there's going to be like less orchestra uh for sure and then more textural 
type stuff. So Fire Malice, it has like more of the, um, like more chanting, um, some string effect stuff, some, some weird, I, I would try to sneak in a little bit of like synth work on some of these to like, like something like very atmospheric, but low and dangerous kind of sounding and just gives like a nice bottom end to things if we weren't going to have the orchestra. Um, so it's got some of that. It's, this one does have um, quite a bit of percussion in it. Um, and so that's really because the, the orchestra plays kind of second fiddle um, in these tracks. So you still, you do need something obviously to kind of create momentum while you're, while you're having these boss fights. Um, but yeah, these, these kind of medium boss things are, um, are really like, is it Rogar or Umbral? So uh, Rogar, it's going to have more, um, more of the strummy stuff in it, more of the, uh, the vocals, like the throat singing. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of what that one's all about. gonna take a little turn here for just a minute. I always love to ask you about your art endeavors because you are a curator of amazing horror art. And as we can see behind you, you're you're constantly running <laughs> out of places to put awesome things. So how's that been? I you know we talked about a year ago and I think things, you know, COVID really derailed a lot of that. So I'm just curious uh, how yeah how all that's going. Uh, well, it's, I still haven't curated a show since 2020. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and I just started talking to, uh, my favorite gallery, Copro gallery about it, uh, maybe for 24 nice. and it feels like I've really missed it. <laughs> I bet. Um, I just, I just love kind of coming up with an idea for a show. I don't know what this next one will be. Um, but besides coming up with a cool idea, like I did one called seven sins and it was like every artist had to pick one of the seven deadly sins and, and do a painting based on that. Awesome. Um, but you have to think about like, okay, this isn't just an installation. Like they need to sell <laughs> paintings <laughs> and like the artist need to sell paintings, the gallery needs to sell paintings. Um, so I could come up with a cool idea, but it might be like, well, that's something that nobody ever wants in their house. Uh, yeah. I think people do want, paintings about the seven cents, but that's just me. And I, ha I, I did buy one of them from the show. So, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to starting that up again. Um, you're seeing, I, I know you saw it last time. We, I think we talked about Dauntless, you said, but this is my new studio and, mm -hmm. um, lots of dark art in here that I've been told isn't, um, suitable for the rest of the house. <laughs> So it lives here. <laughs> is it is it because she? I assume we're talking about your other half. Um, yeah. Is it because she doesn't personally like it, or she's worried what people would say <laughs> if they walked in? You know, it's a bit of both. A bit of both. I can understand that. 
I can understand that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I feel like people that are coming over that are friends, though, they expect I mean, they it. Know us. They know what they're yeah. getting into yeah. and expect it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are certain expectations when you come over that you're going to see something um, yeah. that's, you know, that you don't remember seeing on the walls at uh, your parents' house in the 80s. <laughs> Hopefully. I think it would have meant something a little different then, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but I still, you know, maintain um, contact with all of my, my art friends. And, and we just recently had kind of an artist hang here at the house. And cool. it's like artists that I collect and people that I'm just friends with and then other collectors. And, and we all just, you know walk around, I give tours of the art all day long and people come in and, and it's just, it's really cool to, to feel this like camaraderie with other artists and collectors over things that, um, aren't, you know, you're not going to find this kind of art at, at most museums. You can't go to the Getty here and, you know, and find a Clive Barker. Um, <laughs> but you can come to the Velasco house and see Darn Clive right. Barker. That's, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, good. Well, I hope something happens with that next year. Um, uh, it might be worth a, worth a trip to a warmer climb for, um, uh, so you said that you had been playing Lords of the Fallen. You've dipped your toe in a little bit. Uh, how's that, how's mm-hmm. that going? Yeah, it's, um, it looks amazing. Yeah, it um, does. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, the design of everything, like, it's too bad that everything's trying to kill you all the time because I would love to stop and just like enjoy my surroundings for a minute. Um, but you just can't, there's yeah. always something. <laughs> what so else? constantly yeah. on edge. It's kind of, that's why I kind of actually like um, watching videos of, of other people playing it uh, mm-hmm. because I can experience it without the dread of, of trying to control it myself. And, yeah. Um, I can just be passive and watch and go like, woo, that looks really cool. Yeah. Man, I need I, – I get motion sick so quickly when I watch people play. It has completely changed, and this has been relatively newish in the last, I'd say, five, six years. I noticed it. So it's very – because I didn't used to be an issue, and now I can – I get it too. Yeah, I can – and then it'll put me out for – hours if I do it for too long, you know, by the time I notice if I'm it, just watching on my iPad or my phone, then yeah. it's small enough that it doesn't seem to affect me. But if I watch oh. on TV or something, someone playing a game, um, for sure, I'm, I'm out. Interesting. I never th- even thought of the smaller screen. I will definitely be trying that. Um, what else have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing, um, the other spectrum, I mean, a literal 180 from Lords of the Fallen uh, is a game I did called Fay Farm. I've been playing that and that is so relaxing and wonderful (laughs) and just (laughs) like pick it up and you know it's like oh I have to plant some flowers and yeah and chop down some things and like go feed my bees and get some honey and um 
And I just like that, when I worked on that game, I, I actually tried to get out of it. Oh. Uh, I didn't want to do it. And it's not because I didn't want the work or anything, or I thought like, Oh, this is dumb. I don't want to do it. I just I'm like, I don't know how to, you know, write a whole score. That's all happy. Yeah. Um, it just, I've never done it before. So I hard. I, I can't <laughs> even imagine like, sure. Maybe a track, but after that, I don't know. And, but I did it and it unlocked like this whole creative layer. Like I peeled down the creative onion and I found a layer underneath it. That's like cozy music is where it's at. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. Were you working on these con- concurrently in any way? Could you use one to release the other? At the same time. Oh, nice. Yeah, so every, every morning I would wake up, I would get my coffee, the sun would be up, I'd come into my studio and I would work on Fay Farm and just write this like very charming music. finish up in the evening, go have dinner, come back at night, set the mood lighting in here, and um, and yeah, go to my alter ego and and write Lords of the Fallen. And it was it really worked out great to do that kind of day night light dark balance with the music. Sure. Fay Farm samples? No, no, everything is is live on that one. Oh, really? Cool. Oh my yeah, gosh! Yeah, it's very. It. It's just like a string quartet and and four woodwinds and then some uh, some guitar and some mandolin and lute and oh, wow. um, I even made my debut as a whistler. <gasps> really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I can't wait to hear that. I'll put some of that in here, um, and and we'll just have to add that to the list next time we talk. I'll make sure I have some more questions to um, ask you about so we can give it some more attention there. That sounds really cool. I love that. Anything else that you're playing? Or are those two 
enough for now. Um, I I play literally every day Hearthstone. Oh, you do still? Um, okay, yeah. I cannot stop. Well, how could, I mean, I it's am, wonderful. It's yeah. it's that game that I just again like. I have lunch. I pull out my iPad. I play Hearthstone while I'm eating lunch. <laughs> I need to take a break. I need. I'll, I'll just play Hearthstone. Just a game. It's just I love that game so much. Yeah. If anyone from Blizzard is listening, I it's I need to write some music for Hearthstone. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Love um, it. I can't. I've never played a game more than that ever. It, it yeah. eclipses by far the like probably three hundred hours I have in Elden Ring. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just because it's every day. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, and plus it's been uh, out then, for yeah, it's yeah, been out for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I just started playing one other game. I know this, I mean, I work on a game and I, and I usually play it. So it just happened that another one came out recently too, but I've been playing um, this game called The Song of Nunu. Okay. Uh, which is by my buddies at Tequila Works. And then nice. they worked with Riot and took some of their characters from from League and uh, and did this whole like um, adventure with with these two characters. Oh, fun. Um, Nunu and Willem. It's like a little boy and his Yeti and uh, they have an adventure and um, <laughs> it's, it's like playing a Pixar movie. It's, it's pretty fun. Oh, cool. Cool. Awesome. I'll check that one out as well. Um, seen any good horror films lately? What would you recommend for people lately? Nothing. I tried to watch a lot of horror movies during October mm-hmm. and I just, decided every night or almost every night I'm going to watch a horror movie. And I just, I don't want to mention anything because I, I, I don't like speaking ill of, of any yeah. person's other yeah. work, you know? Yeah, no, that's probably um, a good way to live. I, Maybe. Yeah, there's no yeah. need to, but yeah. um, I couldn't find a horror movie that I was, that I was liking and mm. stuff that even that got like really great reviews, mm. um, nothing was catching me and, um, I even like went on Twitter. I'm like, like help, you know, tell me your favorite horror movies. Like, here's what I like. Yeah. Now give me something that you think I might like. And I got tons of, um, of opinions and recommendations. And I, I watched a couple of the most recommended and I was like, what is going on? Do I not like horror movies anymore? Like, this, <laughs> is it, did Faye Farm do this to me? What's that? <laughs> Oh, it's possible. <laughs> is the same true for horror television? Because this is this is like a that's a, I just don't touch any of that. You know, for the most part, I mean, it's horror TV. Actually, there's been some good stuff. I think. Okay, okay. I, I think this is um, yeah. These days, I'm enjoying TV more than than movies. I think. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I just finished Fall of the House of Usher. And I thought that was pretty good. Okay. Uh, my friends, the Newton brothers, scored that also. They also just oh, cool. did Five Nights at Freddy's, and oh, um, the film. Yeah. They're like they're the new like horror guys. Oh, cool. <laughs> I know it's kind of irritating. That, <laughs> <laughs> like, are you guys sure you want to keep doing horror? Or, you know, right? Why don't you Why don't you break off a little something for Chris? <laughs> <laughs> they might. They might. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, well, Chris, what more do you want to say about Lords of the Fallen? Gosh, I don't know. It, it was, I'm just so thrilled 
that I got to work on it because yeah, it is for the most part, you know, I spend the first week like incessantly reading reviews and I know that I shouldn't. And everybody goes, don't do that. Like just, you know, do the gig and walk away uh, because I'll read a hundred great reviews, especially if they mention music. And then, <laughs> then you read one bad one from you know, this like 10 year old kid, probably <laughs> who's tone deaf. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it just ruins my whole day. And <laughs> like, no, damn it, Jimmy. Why, did, <laughs> why couldn't I please everybody? Yeah. Uh, but the, the feedback has been wonderful about the game itself and, uh, and about the score. Um, everyone seems to really like the music and that's just, it's just very gratifying. Cause I put a lot of work and love into, yeah. into every cue and, and when it's appreciated by the fans, it's, it's just like, yes, <laughs> I broke through to them. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just, I really had a ton of fun on this. It's exactly the kind of game. The last time I got to do something like this was, um, was on Bloodborne and I only did like not that much music, just a few cues for that. Uh, And the, and ever since then I've been wanting to go back to some kind of Soulsborne game and to be able to do it on Lords of the Fallen where it just looks so incredible and to, um, you know, to make all these new friends in Spain where they were developing it. And um, uh, it's just a, I just, I really love what I do and, and I loved working on Lords of the Fallen. Awesome. Cool. Well, I love listening to it. It's a really fun listen and uh, always a pleasure to chat with you, Chris. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. It's so great to see you. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Chris Velasco and see a playlist at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of my chat with Chris on the Level with Emily YouTube channel. Subscribe to that, uh, get notifications, all those things so you don't miss any of our new videos. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hi. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.